I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will give their thoughts on the first half. They will talk about all-star snubs, and they will talk to John Conniff from Mad Friars. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBou. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. After a week hiatus, we are back as the Padres take a hiatus. Rolling into the All-Star break at 500 for the first time in, uh, checks notes, nine years. Eric, welcome back to 500 Baseball. Uh all the Padre podcasts are done. They're all quitting. Fuck you, Leisure Fryer. (laughs) Asshole Jesus. Like, we're one of the, what, three podcasts that do it consistently, like... Damn near week? I mean, we pump out, like, 20, what, 20, 25 episodes a year? Yeah. Hey, no one can be Fryers on the farm, okay? (laughs) Like, there's only one Fryers on the farm. But we're one of, like, a handful of consistent Pottery podcasts. The rest of them have rest in peace. But, hey, we took a week off, Leisure, so you can eat shit. But, yeah, man, uh, going... I didn't. I wasn't planning on opening it that way, but um, this shit happened, dude. We're right where we want to be. Halfway through the season. I mean, technically it's more than halfway, but we're at the All Star yeah, break. Forty five and forty five. Couldn't be happier. Couldn't possibly be happier. Well, I could be happier if a few things happen different ways, but we're looking at where they're at right now as a team, and I'm I'm really content, man. I'm really content with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some gripes, and we're, we'll get into that later. We're gonna have John Conniff on uh, of Mad Fires. Make sure to subscribe. Also, click on their links for merchandise. They get a little bump for that. But um, there's some things like we can nitpick, right? Like, I want Luis Arias up. I think a lot of the Latino community <laughs> wants Luis Arias up. Um, and there's some other stuff going on, like uh, with the bullpen and things that we can complain about. But overall, like, even though some things haven't gone that great, it hasn't been a dumpster fire. It's been what we would expect. They get. They're really exciting to watch. They make incredible comebacks at times. And then at other times, they're really frustrating to watch. And we lose, you know, three in a row to the sorry Giants. So they are who we thought they are. It's like the the ebbs and flows. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like I'm sitting there. And if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, hey, they're going to be 500 at the break. I'd be like, all right, cool. Oh, cool. That, Great. That's what Sounds we expect. Good. But at the same time, like as it's going on and you go through those rough patches, you're like, God, dude, like you're, they're so close to winning games, and it's just like you don't want to hang on every single game on the edge of your seat. But at the end of the day, like when you come down to the end of the season and you're sitting around 85 wins and you need 88 for that playoff spot, yeah. like that's when those games where you lose on some bullshit really gets to you, dude. It's just like it's it's the idea, like oh, you know, it's okay, you know, when they'll play games when they matter. They always matter. Yeah. <laughs> they always matter. The It's funny that the opening series at Petco is such a microcosm yeah. to what the season has been because we just destroy the Giants, right? Absolute amazing atmosphere. I think they took, what, three out of four that weekend or yep. two out of three, whatever. And then the Diamondbacks come to town and they humble us and, oh, this team isn't as good as we thought they were. Oh, they're the same old bum Padres. They just played a bad <laughs> team. And then they bounce back and beat the Cardinals, and then they're kind of they get mopped by the Dodgers, and then they bounce back again and blah, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It it, it has been an up and down season, but it has been, I think overall so far success. I think it's been a great season. We're seeing some breakouts. Hunter Renfro is 
hitting everything remotely near the plate to the moon. Um, Fran Reyes has struggled, but has seemed to find himself. Fernando Tatis Jr. is everything we could have ever hoped for and more. I, I don't think anybody thought he was going to be, and I quote factually, the best offensive shortstop in Major League Baseball as of the All-Star break. Absolutely. And if anyone would have told you that, they're lying. Like, yeah. There's, there's, no, there's no way. Dude, there's, there's no, no way. way. It's just like, it's it's really exciting. You mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, the opening series. We went to opening day uh, yep. together against the Giants. And you went, uh, two was it two weeks ago on Saturday night? Um, so the game. Yeah, they si- blew out the Cardinals. Yeah, so I'm sitting there. I'm like, eh. You know, AJ had texted me earlier in the week. He's like, hey, man, you want to go to the game on Saturday? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go. I was like, my wife's out of town. Let's fucking go to the game. And so I looked at the tickets, and I'm, dude, I'm so used to getting free tickets <laughs> that when I look on StubHub, and DJ Wayne, if you're listening, like, toss a brother some tickets, please. No, I'm kidding. When I'm really looking on StubHub, and I see the tickets, if they're even over, like, 30 bucks a, a, a pop, I'm like, fuck it. I'm not going. So I was sitting there. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I was like, hey, let's just watch from home. We'll get some beers. We'll get some food, and we'll watch from home. It'll be great. And so... After sixty to eighty dollars worth of chicken wings and local swinging fryer ales, later we're sitting here watching the game, and dude, it just went off, and the atmosphere there was so electric. And you were there; you happened to be yes, there. Yes, I happened to be there. So via the Goodyear blimp, I want to hear a comparison. Like, what was the crowd like from opening day to that? Was there any drop off at all, or was it more like electric? What was it like there? There was a bit of a drop off. I think unless you're and and I got to go to playoff games at Petco. I've been to. I fondly remember uh, the Q in 98. So there was a bit of a drop-off from opening day and opening weekend, those first two games that we went to uh, to start the year, but not dramatically. Like, there was a huge buzz. I'm used to going to Padre games where unless it's like, I don't know, name a scrub team, the Marlins or, you know, like... Orioles. The Orioles. Uh, you know, I think Andy Keats is the only guy in there with a Baltimore hat. Right. Um, you know, like the Pirates, you know, good teams, right? They have a fan base that kind of might follow them, but not really. Um, you know, those are really the only games I'm used to going to where it's like majority Padre fans. I thought going to a Cardinals game, um, that it was going to be like, maybe like a 60, 40 because the Cardinals were in it. I mean, going into that series, the Cardinals were actually better than we were going into the series, but I'd have to say it was probably like 85, 15 Padre fans. Well, here's why. It was giveaway jersey night. Well, I mean... Padre fans, man, we show up for the free shit. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, even when we've gone to giveaway games, like you and I have gone, and other, you know, and other, or against other teams, like, the Cardinals have a huge fan base. I mean, they're, they have a, a traveling fan base. So I was surprised that, yeah, even if it's a giveaway night, I'd expect maybe 70-30. But I mean, it was legitimately vast majority Padre fans. And it was electric. I was my siblings are not into baseball at all. So when Tatis was <laughs> to on, say the least, yeah, that's to, an understatement yes. of the century. <laughs> to uh, when Tatis was on second and Hosmer hit the ground ball, I saw him coming. I grabbed my brother by the shoulder and I'm going, "He's gonna score! Watch him! This motherfucker's gonna score! He's gonna round third! I was like, there he goes! There he goes! He's gonna score! It's it's amazing, and you see, because I expect it, right? Like he's so amazing, you expect you expect him to just be amazing. It's routine with him, right? But a lot of the Padre fans, you know, they they didn't really know he was coming. You know, the the casual Padre fan. So it's amazing to see people's reactions when he rounds third and takes the bag. Like, how pumped they are. It's a completely different vibe. And this is just the beginning. Yeah. I imagine what it's going to be like next year when the pitching staff will be more filled out. Gore will probably be up. Patino's going to be kicking down the door with Baez and Morajon. And I think to myself, God, as much fun. I had, that was the most fun I've had at a game 
outside of those two opening day games in the WBC. That's what that game was. Yeah. It was right up there with the buzz, the excitement in the building. You know, Manny and Reyes hitting home runs, and then Tatis telling him to hold his Gatorade. You can't drink beer yet. So, and and seeing the buzz around the stadium, it felt like opening day. It felt like the World Baseball Classic when the the U.S. Uh, hosted the Dominican. Yeah, dude, I keep waiting for Tatis to hit a lull. You yeah, know what I mean, I, I keep waiting a for slump? the slump because I'm looking at he's sitting at a you know not to sound like Dave Palais and go right to batting average, but he's sitting at like what three twenty seven. I'm like, that's not sustainable. He's got. And a then I'm sitting here and I'm like, maybe it is. Maybe it is sustainable. I I don't know. Like I keep waiting for him to fall back to earth and fall down to like a two eighty type guy. Maybe Rand Plato will get on it with guys who have because I mentioned this about Reyes last year. Like, I don't know if he can hold because his BABIP is really high and he really hasn't because, you know, it is a, you know, it's going to vary. But when you're getting infield knocks, Yeah, dude, that's like, the thing. That's the thing that makes it different that I wonder That's what makes if, me feel like this could be yeah, sustainable for him. If he hits the ball as hard as I think he does. And he, I mean, last we checked, somebody put it on Twitter a while ago, but his sprint speed per stat cast was basically elite. Top right. of the league elite. Right. One of the fastest guys in the league. So it makes me wonder, maybe the BABIP, maybe it's not going to be 400, but maybe it is sustainable in the mid to high 300s. Because he can continually beat out ground balls. Because he is amazing. I, I, I want to know what the record is for one player involved in replay overturns. <laughs> because he's got like four of them, I think, this month. Dude, or just it's last absurd. Month. It's absurd. Like every single close play that he's involved in, it goes to replay. Because he initially gets fucked. And then the umpires, you know, they, they challenge and the umpires are like, oh, oh, whoops. Like, it's it's insane, dude. And it's just, like, the things that he brings to the field. And it's like, we got to see firsthand, like, as a fan base, what happens when he's not with us. So I feel like yeah. that's what makes us that's what makes us appreciate him even more. Like, we already know he's spectacular, even better than what we had hoped for. And then we had to go through that time without him that was just dreadful. Brutal. Yeah, so now it's like when he gets hit in the elbow the other night. Oh, my God, was I afraid. Like, after I screamed and cried, I, I, I was like... Why doesn't he have a, an elbow guard on? You know what I mean? Like, this is your future. And you're not putting an Evo shield on him or something? I thought he wore guard. an elbow guard. I swear. Not like, that bad. When yeah, he got smoked. Bad, yeah. yeah, I was sitting there like, oh, God. And, and then it's like, oh, hey, we don't know if, you know, he's not sure if he's going to go. And I was wondering because they didn't post the lineup until the last minute yeah. on Sunday. And like I'm an like. Hour, like, I think for like 40 minutes before game time. Yeah, and then you see, I think it was Dennis Lynn. He said, like, Tatis wasn't sure if he was going to go or not. And then he eventually, you know, when he woke up. And then yeah. he goes and he hits two bombs. Makes a spectacular dive. Throws a 90-mile-an-hour fastball from his knee. Like, he, every day when you see him, he could do something that you've never seen before. Like, you always say if you watch baseball, you'll see something you've never seen before. And it doesn't matter how long you've been watching. Like, him tagging up from third base and scoring on a fly ball that the second baseman catches. I've never seen that in my life. And then he does it twice. Yeah, he's done it twice. And then he does it twice. It's incredible. Scores from first. The only other person I ever saw score from first on a hit-and-run uh, single Mike Trout was Mike Trout exactly and Mike Trout did it against Andre Ethier I don't know who was hitting but Trout ran base hit into right center field they cut it off for a single and Trout scored he's the only other guy to do it um Dude, scoring from second on an infield single exactly. I've never seen that before exactly and and it's just like you were saying and I said the same thing like when that ball was hit off the bat I see uh, De- who's their who's their shortstop uh, Paul uh, DeYoung. DeYoung okay so I see DeYoung range into his right and I see him catch it and I see Tatis I see where he's at and I, I'm thinking to myself if he throws it he's scoring so as soon as he lets go of the ball I told AJ this motherfucker's scoring and the next thing you know the camera cuts out and you see sure as shit there's Tatis going in to score it's just the things he does with his legs, is, <laughs> it's absurd. And I can't wait because I do think he's going to get even better. He's going to get used to the routine, the day in, the day out. And it's just like, 
I'm not a war guy unless it benefits me. <laughs> and I'm he's looking. a three-war player, and he missed about a month. Yeah, so he's sitting right now, and your boy Keith Law, I think it was your boy Keith Law, who said, like, he's on pace for 162 games. He's on pace for about 10. Yeah. About 10 wars. 650 like, right now. That's MVP. <laughs> 650 right now, I think he's on pace for, like, eight war. He's basically, for all the talk that pansy-ass Mets Twitter gives us about their substitute teacher, Pete Alonzo, Tatis is only one... Uh, win above replacement behind him, despite missing like 30 games. Yeah. They played 90, and I think Tatis has played a little almost 60. Right. So he missed a lot of fucking time. And for him to be this good, he's basically Mike Trout light right now. He As is. a rookie. As a rookie. 20 years old. As a rookie. And which leads me to my next um, bit that we're going to go over, because we, we have it on here in the background. Home Run Derby's going on right now. Right. Um, Vlad Jr.'s putting on a show, so all you hacks are... He only has eight home runs, dot SpongeBob Jeff. Yeah, just watch the replay, and yeah. you'll see why he was put in the derby and why counting numbers shouldn't count. But I never no. never had an issue whatsoever with no, him being in the absolutely derby. absolutely not. Now, no if chance. he was an all-star, I'd have been pissed off. But the right. derby's perfect way to showcase the young player. But therein lies the problem. Now, for you, your take is you don't really care about any snubs, right? No. I mean, for the I, most part? You know... I care about it, but not to the extent that everyone else on Padres Twitter does, dude. <laughs> People have been losing their fucking minds, and I get it, dude. Like, with Framil and with uh, Hunter Renfro, of course. Would I love to see them over Jock Peterson? Absolutely. Would I love to see them over Carlos Santana, who's only in because he plays in Cleveland? No question. But I'm not going to lose my shit about it. Like, part of me, I'm like, dude, like, these guys, it's a grind on the everyday season. Take some time off. Like, yeah. Framo Reyes is in the Dominican Republic right now. Like, enjoy yourself. He's building, like, a house with his bare hands. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, they're down there. They're resting. They're recharging. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. And then on top of that, you got a guy like Tatis who fully expected to be an all-star, and now he's not an all-star. Puts a chip on his shoulder. So you it, see how it, well he's playing without that? You put that chip on his shoulder now. Look out, dude. Look out. But as far as snubs... I'm not going to lose my shit over it. Here's my issue with it. And it doesn't really have to do with snubs. Because, I mean, I, I understand, like, I like Hunter Renfro, guys. But he's got a lot of competition in the outfield, right? Like, I like I love Manny Machado. He's been hot. But third base is a really deep position in the National League, let alone Major League Baseball, right? Like, you've got, you've got Donaldson, who's having a good year. Bryant's having a good year. Uh, Arenado's having a good year. Turner, I think, is having a good year. Like, it's a really deep class. My issue with Tatis not going is that I fully believe the All-Star Game should be used as a platform to promote young players. Nike released a Mike Trout video today that was absolutely amazing. And is better marketing than MLB, I believe, has ever done with him. Uh, it may have been Nike, it may have been MLB, one of the two. But it was one of the better videos they had. Where they just promote him as the guy. Like, he's just he's just who he is. That's, that's Mike Trout. I think the All-Star Game is a perfect platform to take young players and do like what they're doing. They did it with they did it with Bryce Harper where they put him in the All-Star game. Not so much because he was deserving his rookie year, but it's like, this is a young guy. It's a 19-year-old kid. Let's put him in, yeah. right? Vlad Jr. is putting on a fucking show in the home run derby. He's hit the scoreboard a couple times. I mean, he's just hitting bombs, right? And so... Him and Jock are toe-to-toe, dude. This yes. is actually a lot of fun to yes. watch. Right now, like... He just, uh, they're they're tied in the, I think they're in the semis here, and it's 40 home runs, Guerrero, 38 Peterson. They're at their second swing off. Yes. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Yeah. But, you know, I, I believe in that platform. That's why I wanted to see Reyes, and, not, and I like Renfro, but Reyes or Renfro. Reyes because he's more of a personality, and I am a little biased <laughs> because I like Fran Mill a lot. Right. But, but, like, you know, showcase the young guys, but Tatis especially because 
Statistically, yeah, he missed some time. Statistically speaking, he's the best hitting shortstop in Major League Baseball. There is no not arg- just rookies. No, not just rookies, not just NL. Like, there's no argument there. The only argument you can say is, well, he missed time. Well, he can't control that. And it's not like he missed so much time where, well, he's not going to qualify for the batting title. Because that's always the, for an offensive player, like, that's the that's the, the benchmark. Like, is he going to qualify for the batting title at the end of the year? Probably going to qualify for it by the end of the year as far as, like, plate appearances. But it's also a place where he can go and be presented as like, hey, here's our next star. Like, you guys like Mike Trout, but maybe you want some more personality. Here's that guy, but he plays shortstop. Right. And he runs like Trout. And he hits like Trout. And he fields like Trout, but he plays shortstop. And, hey, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it's good to be multicultural. Latin America. All our Latin American fans who love baseball and love flair and bike change and chops and handshakes. Here's Fernando Tatis Jr. Here's your Mike Trout to latch onto for the next 10 or 15 years. It is an awesome opportunity to get an exciting player who is more exciting than Vlad because he does more on the field to give him an opportunity to do something in the All-Star game. Yeah. And it's a missed opportunity on MLB's end to create a marketing giant in Fernando Tatis Jr. Well, there's kind of like the drama like, oh, man, uh Dave Roberts, he's he's taking his guy, Max Muncie, and then it's like, well, Major League Baseball makes this decision. Yeah. So it's like, are you that shitty at promoting? Like, you have to let let the, let the kids play. You have that. And you have Tatis Jr., who epitomizes that. And you're yeah, going to go yeah, with I mean, Max you're, Muncie. You're right. And Max Muncie, he's having a great year. Yes. He's having a great year. It's fine, but I don't know, dude. Like, am I pissed off about it? No. Not as much as everyone else is, but I totally get it. Like, I, dude, I totally want to see Tatis playing in that game tomorrow, but, you know... It's not. It's not his time. It's not his time, so to speak. Christ! It's not. He's pacing the entire league. He's one win behind construction worker Pete Alonso in WAR, yeah. despite missing thirty games. It's not his time. Let me ask you about the All Star voting because I brought this up on Twitter, and then we'll move on to uh, yeah some other uh, top half stuff here before we bring on Mister Conniff. Um, I feel like they're never going to eliminate fan voting, and the reason they won't is because they want to get the fans engaged, and if you take that away from the fans. Like, the All-Star game's already dwindling in, you know, viewership anyways, right? Like, it has been. You know, they changed up the home run derby because viewers were complaining about, this show goes on for, like, five hours. It's too fucking long. It, it gets drawn out. So, they always want to engage the fans. So, I don't think they're ever going to get rid of fan voting. I don't think coaches, despite what people say, are are equipped to judge 25 other guys on 29 other teams, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's unrealistic. My pitch was... Have Major League Baseball, they, they have to have their own analytics department. Have them present the fans, hey, you're not just going to vote for, like, Omar Infante, right? Like, <laughs> we're going to have categories. Like, here are the f- five best first basemen in the National League. Vote for the starter, vote for the backup. Same thing in every position, right? Here's the five best breakout players, guys having career first halves who have never made all-star teams or maybe they're comeback players, but a combination of those guys, right? Like a breakout player, a comeback player, Here's the top three in each league. Vote for one of these guys to make an all-star game. Here's the top three to five rookies in each league. So now the fans are still voting. They're voting in guys they want to see. But based on a predetermined pool, that is statistically getting the best guys the opportunity to get in. Because you do get snubs where guys statistically should go, but they don't. Right? Yeah. Like, Tatis statistically, excuse me, statistically should go. Like, Machado should have a shot. And then let the fans decide. Whereas 
The way it's done now, it's like you can just stuff the ballot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't like to stuff the ballot things. What I would really like to see, and it would never happen in MLB, but like, dude, do like the NBA does. Let the players pick the team. You know what I mean? Like, you know what you should do is take, unless they're traded, I mean, you'll figure it out at that point, but take the AL MVP, the reigning AL MVP, and the reigning NL MVP, and let them pick the teams. That'd you know be what I mean? pretty cool. Yeah, like they're not going to pick scrubs. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, sure, there there might be some bias over it, and and you have you have one guy picking twenty five players, if not more. Was it? Do they have forty? All forty for the um, All Star game, whatever it is. But let them pick the position players, and let let them pick the starters. Do the do the pitching like you do the yeah. current pitching. So yeah. I don't. I don't, that's what I want to see. But the the All Star game, man. Like I honestly I only it. watch for Mike Trout. And then once, because I don't get to watch him play every day, and then once he's out, I'm just like, meh. I don't know how any, like, person can say that they're a hardcore baseball fan and and in the same breath be like, meh, I don't watch the All-Star game anyway. It's like, who doesn't watch the All-Star game, dude? It's yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Like, you it get is. to see the best, well, arguably, the best talent in the league <laughs> on the field at the same time. Like, of course I'm going to watch the All-Star game. I look forward to it every single year. Yeah, I mean, if you don't watch the All-Star game, just get, like, six innings of Mike Trout in. What the, you don't, you're not a baseball fan. Yeah, get out of here. Like, come on, dude. Come on. Like, uh, yes, I badly want to see Mike Trout face Max Scherzer. I want to <laughs> see Mike Trout torch Hunjin Roo and Kershaw <laughs> because you know they're coming in back-to-back. True. Because Dave Roberts is the manager. Yeah. And I want to see Trout torch the both of those schlubs. Yeah, Dave Roberts being the manager would explain Acuna batting ninth because I was wondering. I know. I was like, who the hell? <laughs> At least Ned Yost, when he managed the AL team that one year, those two years, says, I just gave the fucking roster to my analytics team and said, hey, optimize the lineup for yeah. me. I don't even want anything to do with it. Just optimize it for me. Here are the starters. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird, like, the position that the Padres are in right now because I'm looking at it and I'm like, Part of me, I can really see where they should be buyers. And everyone says, hey, if you're going to buy, buy a piece that has control. And you're kind of narrowing down the pool of players that you can get when you're, when you're, you know, looking for that particular person. Yeah, because there's not a lot I like. Uh, yeah, so it's like, I'll, I'll listen to that. But I'll also listen to the guys that say, like, hey, let's keep what we have here and let's see it grow. Like, they're, they're in a kind of fun spot because, like, yeah, they're 500. But it's like, do you risk it all so you can get to a one-game play-in? No one's going to catch the Dodgers. No. No one's going to catch the Dodgers. Sorry. You get to a wild-card game, that's a one-game play-in. Yeah. So, like, if you go for a piece that has this year of control, you're going for a guy, you're giving up future uh, pieces for one game. And yeah. if it's for a starter, the way that the rotation lines up, that might not even be a start. It's kind of like trading Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now for Chris Archer for a <laughs> playoff game he never made. Imagine that. Imagine that. So, <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun to think about it, though, at the same time, to be like, hey, like, we could be a team that's all in because on one end I look at it and I'm like dude this team they're one streak away because baseball dude people get streaky you know what I mean and like we've the, seen it this year it's a, we, we keep mentioning it like the Padres get hot and they're like oh man we're you know we were in first place for a little while like there's yeah. a time where the Padres were legitimately there and then they slumped and losing Tatis really hurt but I I think you're right now I do think that there is a I think there is a there's a way you can go about it where you're not going all in and sacrificing the future. Now, there were people who went to that social summit. I believe that was a game I went to. Yeah. Uh, there was a social summit earlier in the day when Uncle Ron had said, like, we're not sac- like we want to win this year, but we're not going to sacrifice the future. Like, we're going to make Well, moves. he's been saying that forever. He had, And to this point, they haven't. Like, they did not make the Archer trade that was rumored. I think it was Urias, Hed- uh, Renfro, and was it Hedges? I don't know. I don't remember. But the, regardless, okay uh, two, of the, two of those guys I wouldn't have dealt for, for uh, Archer, but... Um, My ears perked up with Hedgie, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
something else perks down with Hedgy. Yeah. But um, I think you can do conservative moves, like right trade from surplus. Somebody threw a trade out there. I want to say, I think it was on Twitter, but it Dude, was. Dude, that's another thing. The trade value things where people oh, send those screenshots. Those programs are awful. I could, I couldn't they have possibly, Jose Perella. I couldn't possibly roll my eyes any harder than when I see people throwing out these, these shitty trade, uh, these shitty trade ideas. And it's like, oh well, this surplus value website says it's a good deal. And the I trade would be, be interested. And maybe, God, dude. Maybe maybe we'll use Conniff off the air to see if he knows any. Like, do they really use surplus? I feel like they don't. I feel like there's other factors involved. But anyways, so like. I think I saw this on Twitter, but somebody put out there. Oh, no, you know what? Maybe it was in one of our threads. Who knows? But it was eat like 60% of Myers' deal and then package Quantrill and Naylor to get Marcus Stroman. I think the Blue Jays would be interested in that. They get two controllable pieces for the next five to six years, and they get an outfielder who may or may not bounce back, but they're not going to be paying a whole hell of a lot. And the Padres get an anchor because I've said this before. Um I don't think the Padres necessarily need a staff ace. Um Charity told us before, like, hey, you know, the Brewers got damn near to the World Series, and their staff ace was Jolie Shashin, <laughs> our staff ace the year before. That's a really good point. It is. When he said that, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, man, it's, it's a fair point, and I think the Padres have enough. I think one of uh, Paddock, Gore, and Patino is going to be an ace. I think one of those three, you've got a shot at one of them being like a legitimate, you know, top 10, top 30 starting pitcher. Right. Um, if, I mean, we're really top five, top 10. <laughs> So, and I also look at the Padres and think like, well, they're going to have this three batter minimum, and they have guys like Morahone who's kind of getting stretched out a little bit. Baez has been strictly a reliever, and they have other guys that they can kind of move around. So maybe they don't need to go out and get like an ace or spend like go try to take on Scherzer or Strasburg's contract or give up a huge haul of prospects that's really going to hurt them in the long run to try to get better in the short run. Maybe they can do something more conservative, like a Marcus Stroman who comes with a year and a half of control. He's going to give you 160, 180 innings. He's going to anchor the middle of the rotation. He's going to be a leader, but he's not going to cost you an arm and a leg in surplus prospects. I feel like they can make a move like that. I would be okay with them going the other way and saying, hey, like, yeah, we're at 500, but, you know, we're assessing it here and, you know, we're not better than, you know, we got to beat, you know, if it's not the Cubs, it's the Brewers. Like, one of those two teams winning the division, the other's taking the wild card. Right. Are they better than the Rockies? My answer is no. They're not better than the Rockies. The Padres? Yes. I don't think they're better than the Rockies. I not think this year. <laughs> not this year, no. I think they're going to be, but not this year. Yeah. And then you look at the East. Are they better than Atlanta? I'd say no. You know what, no. though? I'm, I'm taking my chances against the Rockies. I am, too. But Especially I, if it's in Coors. I am, too. But you have to look at the whole field, right? So, like, they're not better than the Dodgers. They're not better than the Rockies. They're maybe better than the Rockies. They're not better than they might be better than the Brewers. They did we did we swept the Brewers, right? I know we handed it to them, but nonetheless, on paper they're probably not better than the Brewers. They're not better than the Cubs on paper. They're not better than the uh, Braves, and they're not better than the uh, Nationals, right? So that's six teams that really. Well, the good thing about baseball is you don't play the game on paper. That's true, but I would be okay if the Padres looked at it and said, "You know what? We have a puncher's chance." But if some team comes over here and says. Hey, like if, if some team pulls like the Pirates and says, hey, we really want Hunter Renfro. Like, <laughs> we'll give you whatever you want for Hunter Renfro and Kirby Yates. Like, we need an out, like Cleveland. If Cleveland's like, dude, we need a cheap outfielder and we need another arm or, you know, give us anything. Or if Atlanta comes and says, hey, we need bullpen help and we could use an outfielder, like, please help us. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, if Atlanta comes in and says, hey, we'll give you Kristen Pache for, you know, Renfro and Yates. Bye, guys. See you later. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, I'm open to pretty much anything when it's it comes nice to the when direction. It's nice you have options, right? Yeah, there's options. Last year, it's like sell, sell, sell. This year, it's like maybe we'll buy. Maybe I'm also we'll kind of torn, though, dude. I'm also kind of torn because I, I I see Renfro. We've been talking about this the last few weeks. Like, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I I really think Renfro is finally becoming the player that he is. Like, I feel like this is sustainable for Renfro, and I just. I I would hate to see him traded. I, I I get it. I get it. But at the same time, I I'm not. I'm I wouldn't not, be happy about it. I'm not itching for him to be traded. But here's the other same thing. Same thing too. with Yates. Like yeah. it's kind of weird because it's just like in my heart, I don't want Yates traded. I want him to stay here. But in my mind, in my brain, being the smart analytical fan that I am, <laughs> I know. Fancraft three times. It's in your history. I know that. It's probably for the best long term if you trade him. Yeah. But you're not going to win now if you trade him. It's like, and, and Dustin kind Maybe. of brought this up. Here's the thing, though, with Yates, though. His whole value to your team is contingent on you getting leads into the ninth. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But uh, Sackbunt Dustin brought this up when he was just taking a massive dump all over Padres Farm. Uh, when Padres Farm was talking about how he wants to trade, um, he wants to trade Urias for Cindergard. And, or no, Patino. Patino, no, trade, thank you. He wants to trade Patino for Cindergard, and then Dustin was like, "Hey, like if you're trading for Cindergard, that's a win now mode, but you still want to trade Yates." You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. that doesn't make sense. Like, do you want to win now, or are you waiting for the next couple years? But it's just like there's so many different options. So it's like I'm not gonna for once in my life, I'm not gonna hitch my my wagon to something. And be like it has to be this way, or I'm furious. What I'm just kind of trying to go with the flow. What if they take? Okay, let's say they say, "Hey, we have a package of Yates and." Renfro, that's the package. Like we want to get as much as we can, and then they take that, that whatever they get back, that value they get back because you get. I think Renfro still has like four years of control left, yeah. which is obscene to think about. And then Yates has this year and and uh, all of this year and next, so year and a half. So you get five and a half years of total control with the two players you get. What if they take that and then they move those assets? So they take the prospects to get that and then pull off a different deal to go get like Cindergard. And maybe another player, maybe a center fielder. Like I don't think the Mets would trade him, but let's say Brandon Nimmo, right? Like let's say the Mets go, oh well, we like you know these types of players that you have. Oh, we don't want to trade out of our fucking farm system. Like we know these guys best. Fuck the Mets. But we'll tell you what, Brody, we'll give you the players we're getting back because we already have this deal set in place for Renfro and Yates, and we'll flip them to you to get Cindergard, like, mm. and kind of make a move in that sense. Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting way to look at it. It's just. I do like the idea of dealing with uh, BVW <laughs> over there in New York. I feel like we can hose him. I feel like we could too. I, f- I feel like he could be had rather easily. So Very desperately to make up for the... Cal- I feel like if you just put top 100 next to the prospect, that he'll take him just because he lost <laughs> two of them. So if we give him like borderline top 100 guys. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and then dude, sometimes I get there and I'm bored. Because I... I it's just so weird, dude. Like the spot that they're in, and, and sometimes I sit here and I, I the think the murky these, middle. Craig Elson used to talk about this. The th- old murky middle. No, but that's in regards to draft. Yeah. Like now, our murky middle is: Hey, do we go for it or do we stand pat? Because I really feel like next year and the year after is going to be huge. And it's yeah. just like, do we need an ace? Do we need to trade for a guy like Cindergard? And my answer I don't to that: Cindergard is an ace, honestly. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like a, a a guy that has ace potential. Do we need to trade for a guy like that? My answer to that is. I don't know. I don't think so. Because I see Lamette, dude, coming back from Tommy John, and he might have those things that we want and that we're looking for. Like, maybe that's our guy, and we didn't even have to trade for him. So I see that, and I see the usage. Garrett Richards might be back in September. He might be perfect for this bullpen role that I keep telling you about, where you get the guy, like, 
have the starter go a strong five and then bring in Baez, Morahone, Richards, or whoever, and have them, or Quantrill if we keep him. Yeah. I like Quantrill out of the bullpen in the role they had him in. You know, two innings here, throw gas, and uh, good luck, everybody. I see the way Andy is using the rookies that are coming up in the bullpen, and I love it. That's going to be. H.J. Preller is trying to come through the laptop right now and strangle you for standing for Andy Green. The skipper Andy Green and the way that he and that he's handling it, I like it because that's what I've wanted. That's what I've wanted to see. So I have like, been pining for bullpenning yeah. ever since I've known you. Yeah, you have. Like and, and I'm, years. I'm finally coming around to it and like seeing him do that with guys and I know it's, you know, around the, the all-star break. So Circumstances are a little bit different, but seeing guys like Strom being moved to the pen, albeit temporarily, Quantrill, seeing even Logan Allen come out of the pen, I love that. I love the versatile pitcher. Like, of course, I love the horse, dude. I love the, the horse paddock. that can go out there. Like the my favorite pitcher was Jose Fernandez, dude, until he passed, and now it's Max Scherzer. Like, I love those types of guys, and I really want them to sign Garrett Cole. <laughs> like, yeah. I would love that. I love that type of pitcher, but at the same time, I find a lot of value in the versatile pitchers, like the guys that can they can Do start. Both. Sure, the they can man. start. Sure, they can go in the in the bullpen, and no matter where they go, they're going to be dominant. Like seeing the futures game last night really clicked when I saw Patino come in and just throwing ninety nine, like pumping upper nineties with after like, Morahone and Gore. And I think Morahone was or uh, Gore was sitting mid nineties, ninety four, ninety five. Morahone was ninety seven. To and have that coming in late in the game, that's deadly. Like that's deadly, man. Like they're going to have guys like Lucchese next year, like Lauer, uh, Richards, Lamette. They have a lot of options next year to where if they can kind of use their rotation and their bullpen inter- and interchange those guys yeah. a little bit to uh, manage the workload and also get the most out of them. I really like that, man. So Imagine that's why Patino. I'm like, I don't know if we oh. need a guy like Thor. I don't really know if we need him. Imagine right. Patino cracking in like, hey, we need arms. We're going to bring him out of the bullpen as a multi-inning guy to limit his innings. Yeah. And then in September go, hey, we really need you to start. So we're going to give we're going to give you some rotation spots. We're going to mix you in with Lucchese. And you're going to take a couple of his starts. Yeah. And just have him come out throwing just... Just throw out that 90... What was it? A cutter? Exactly. Dude. <laughs> Good lord. He threw... So, his fastball he yesterday... He gassed Royce Lewis. Sit yeah. the fuck down, me. <laughs> they had Royce Lewis mic'd up. He's like, oh, man, I feel like this is a, like an MLB the show. <laughs> Bye, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sit the fuck down. But, yeah, man, it's just... It's incredible, man. Watching that yesterday. But Patino had a pitch yesterday. Um, he was throwing... He was sitting mid to upper 90s on his fastball. Ugh. And every once in a while, he would drop in this pitch that was 89 to 90 miles an hour, and it had tail on it. So I'm like, shit, it's like 90 miles an hour. I don't see a change up that fast unless it's Cindergard. Yeah. I'm like, is that a change or is we that bomb- a two-seam? We bombarded Kevin Charity like, hey, man, what's he throwing? Yeah. I'm <laughs> what like, is I can't tell if that's a change or if that's a two-seam fastball. I couldn't fastball tell if he took something a off of a slider. Like, Lamette's slider was so hard. Yeah. And it had so much, like, quick dart and fade. That they thought it was a changeup, and he actually had to correct. I think it was Conniff that told us that he had to correct and say, no, it's a curveball. Right. But it's right. like, oh, Jesus, he's throwing that so hard. So I don't know what Patino was throwing, but, dude, poor Royce. I, number one, I don't know who taught Royce Lewis that leg kick. That is god-awful. <laughs> but sit down, meat. Here's yeah. three heaters at 99+. plus. Well, you didn't touch the first two. Here's another one. Yeah, absolutely. Good so grief. It'll be fun to watch these kids progress. And, and I, dude, this is the hill I'm going to die on. There's two hills I'm going to die on. And the, thank God there's plenty of me to go around. <laughs> I am dying on the bullpen hill. And I am dying on the Austin Hedges as a backup hill. And that's been... And I will die right next to you. That has been... Yeah, holding hands. Yeah. That has been probably my favorite. It's, it's you know... It's mostly a bit. Like, it's mostly a bit. To a point. I really feel like he needs to be a backup. And I, my hatred towards he, towards Hedges 
really stems from the hedges stands. Yeah, and I don't how, hate hedges. It's this hedges stand. It's like irrational the Pete Alonso stands, are. right? How irrational they are. It's just like there's no shame in being a great backup catcher. No, there's you know a lot I mean? of money in a backup. There's catcher. a lot of money. That's a great life. You're still realizing your dream of being a major league baseball player. There's nothing wrong with that. I agree. He brings a lot to the table as a backup. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just to see these guys. Bruce like, Bochy oh, hey. won three World Series as a journeyman backup catcher. Austin, there's good things ahead. There's, dude. That's what I'm saying. And and those are the hills that I'm going to die on. But we're going to get Conniff in here in a little bit. And, um, you know, we don't want to run the pod too long. But other than that, dude, like, what else What else have you seen from the first half where it's just like... um, Things that I've liked, and this is going to sound kind of weird, but things that I've liked, I like that Paddock had to face adversity for once. Because... That guy's never struggled. We went up to an Elsinore start last year where he scuffled yeah. through five. He struck out seven and walked one. He didn't have his quote unquote best stuff. Yeah, that's so a good point. It's it's good to see him like struggle and not struggle itself, but it's good to see him take that like those off starts. He got torched a couple of times. Like the Dodgers, the Yankees, I forget who else, but they torched him. And then go down, work on some things. You know, fool the idiots into thinking he's going to make a start in Elsinore, you nincompoops. And then get didn't I say that our last podcast? <laughs> I don't think you did. <laughs> I think I did. Did you? But anyways, well, you're a nincompoop yeah. for thinking as much. But um, and then coming back up, and then really just fucking shoving it into the Dodgers' face. Yeah. And creating the greatest GIF of all time: Paddock mounting a horse. Oh yeah. <laughs> Leaping off the first base bag. Yeah. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen on Padres Twitter. But yeah, that's, I, that's, that's good. Like because you're seeing. Progression. Obviously, Tatis has been amazing, but you're seeing progression. Um, I love that what we've seen from Machado because he did struggle and he was pressing. I don't know if he mentioned it or if he admitted it, but he clearly was pressing, swinging out of his shoes. He's found the rhythm. Hunter Renfro has seemed to find Manny Margot is taking advantage of playing time. Yeah, it's amazing. I was beating this drum uh, last year. I was time. done with him, dude. I was done. Yeah, I was done at first. I'm like, oh, he's playing more. And you, I've said it before. Like, I have a hard time giving up on that defense. That game in Colorado. He caught a fly ball to, I think, start an inning where I'm like, Myers would have been nowhere near it. And if he would, he would have taken an awful route. Minus (laughs) 6.9 route efficiency if Myers was there. So it's hard for me to give up on that. Um, Some bummers is that it looks like more and more that I could see the Padres eating a lot of salary to to let Will go play somewhere else. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like we, like Fran Mill and. Reyes, or uh, excuse me, Fran Mill and Renfro, they need every day at bats. Like, they need to be out there every day. And Myers is kind of the odd man out. Like, I wouldn't say he's better than uh, Renfro uh, defensively right now. Maybe he is. I haven't looked the numbers up. But I know Renfro's taking a huge step. And I do believe defense is a skill. Um, and Renfro always had the ceiling. It's just a matter of putting it together. But you need a real center fielder in that ballpark in that division. And that's Manny Margot. He doesn't have to hit that great to be an everyday center fielder, especially with the fucking lineup. When they keep running that lineup out there, it's, oh, here's Tatis, Hosmer, uh, who the hell's batting third? Machado, Reyes, Renfro. Good luck, everybody. Like, yeah, yeah Margot can hit seventh or ninth for all I care. Yeah, I was just about done with him. And then he's, dude, he's drawing more walks. And I feel like, didn't he do this last year? Like, he did once he started playing again. He slumped, and then Jankowski kept getting at bats, and then he started hitting. And I kept going up there saying, since this date, Manny Margot's hitting this and Jankowski's hitting that. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I, I could see them eating a lot of money. Like I said, like, what's he owed? $60 million after yep. this year for three years? I could see them eating like, hey, we'll take $40 million. Just take him. Just get him out of here. Yeah. And it's nothing against Willis. It's just at the end of the day, like, 
you only have so many at bats for so many guys. You're playing on a short bench when you when you do that. Um, and Will needs to play every day if he's going to get out of this, and he's not going. There's no spot for him there. I can't comfortably say he's better than Renfro Reyes. I certainly don't think he's better than Reyes. Reyes is incredibly young, right. as far as we know. He's got amazing upside. Yeah. And Renfro's the better guy right now, and they're about the same age. And Renfro's not costing an arm and a leg. Maybe you can eat Myers' contract and, and get him out of the you know National League, and maybe he can go somewhere else where he can play first base and just kind of hang out. I think we all agree, and and we're going to talk with John Conniff here in a little bit from Mad Friars, but we kind of where we're at with Urias right now. It's just like seeing them come to B500 and having Kinsler out there at second base. It's just, it's good that we're at this point with still having to trot Kinsler out there. But the fact that Urias isn't getting his shot to take his lumps right now in a year like this is so frustrating. It's like, Hey, you know, send him down to, uh, send him down to El Paso. We need you to work on this, this, and this. And everyone says, don't scout the, the stat line. But you know, as, as a player, if you're sitting there and you're putting up the numbers that Urias is putting up, like you have to come to a point where you're getting really pissed off. Wouldn't you think? Like, yeah. hey, man, I'm lighting the world on fire. Give me another chance. And then you start slumping and thinking like, great, now I'm now slumping. Now I'm really fucked. Now I'm slumping. Now they're going to be like, see, we told you you're not making the adjustments we want you to make. And it's like, well, fuck, when I was hitting, you know, nobody said anything. No. Yeah. Uh, my and, and I know we've gone back and forth with Conniff on this in the threads, and I'm sure he's going to push back because it's just how he is. But um, my my argument is like you know even if even teams that are in win now mode bring up and develop rookies, right? Right? Like the Yankees do it. You know, it's and um, to me it's like now's as good a time as you're going to have in the next five to six to really just throw him out there and see what you've got. And I don't think throwing. Urias out there at second base and letting him struggle when the guy that has taken up the majority of the bats has absolutely, undoubtedly fucking sucked all year, it's not going to hurt their ability to compete when the guy they're running out there isn't better than what you could have. He's an instant upgrade. Even if he Defensively and base burns, running. Yes, he brings, he brings more of an upgrade to the defense and to the base running. It's just you're not losing anything. And what John has told us before is like, hey, you know, what I think is that the Padres are really fearing like, hey, what if we bring up Urias and he doesn't hit? I'm like, he's a rookie, first of all. You know what I mean? Like, even if he had this entire year, even if he didn't hit – you can't sit there and be like, hey, this is who he is. Yeah. That's the trap that we're falling in. That's what that's what people have fallen in for Mejia. And that's not the case. You know what I mean? Like Mejia's guys- hit ever since he's came back. It's funny what happens when you give a young kid every day at bats to try to figure it out and adjust. Imagine that. And that's why it's kind of like when we were losing a bunch of games in the in the years past. We're like, hey, you know what? If we lost because kids were getting an opportunity, I'm fine with it. But we're losing with Jose Perel in left field, yeah. not Hunter Renfrew. We're losing with Amarista playing second base and Jed Jerko's in AAA. That's what we're at now. It's like we're winning games, which is great. The the goal is to win, but we're winning with the guy that has no future here. Yeah. We're winning with a 37, 38-year-old Ian Kinsler who told us to go fuck ourselves. Well, you know, we're winning with this guy, and Urias brings an upgrade, and he's not getting a chance. Like, he could add so much more value, but you don't know because you're not giving him the chance. Yeah. And he plays, it's not like he doesn't play multiple positions. He can play a pretty good shortstop. He's been playing a lot of shortstop um, in uh, AAA because That's what makes me think that they're shopping him. I wouldn't. That's doubt what it. makes me think that they and, could be shopping him, and and, uh, and Padres Farm is jacking himself off right now. I don't understand. Hell yeah, the they're idea. shopping him. I don't understand the idea. Like I've read scouting reports. Oh, Miller seems like he's going to be a decent player, but he seems like he's going to be up the middle. Ty France. Yeah, that's what it reads like. A solid major leaguer. 
a solid major leaguer. I think Fangrass has his future value around 40, 45. Well, that's Urias' floor. Yeah. yeah, and MLB Pipeline has him at 40, whereas Urias is 50 to 55 pretty much universally. And after that, we don't have anybody else. Like, I know people say, oh, X Edwards. I will say this until he starts hitting for some semblance of power. Like, name me one player with Xavier Edwards' profile. Like, He's not even Louis Sirius where he's just punching like doubles. Like he just he doesn't have pop. Now maybe he overcomes that. I don't know. But even if he does, he's in fucking single A and he's not in single A elsewhere, right? Like right. he's he's in Fort Wayne. He's still gotta hit single high single A, which will probably be at the end of this year and part of next year, and then double A and then triple A. Like he's still three levels away. You know, uh CJ Abrams, great draft pick. We all think he's gonna move to center, but if he happens to stick in the dirt and he's our new second baseman. He's like four or five levels away, right? He's in right. rookie ball. So we really don't have anybody. Estrella Reese, you know, if the iron glove can play, <laughs> he's still in low, he's still in high A ball. Like, there's nobody other than Urias that's ready to go. Like, we don't know what we have. Miller, maybe Miller is ready, but I don't see the upside. I think Miller to me is kind of like I compare like kind of like Chase Headley, where it's like he's got a high floor because you know he's gonna be a major league player. But there's no ceiling there. It's just a high floor. It's five to seven years of really good production, and then he's a backup. Yeah. Whereas to me, Arias is still young. He's 21, 22 years old. He has a ton of upside with the juice ball. God knows what he would hit up here once he figures it out. And it's like you're wasting that to play Ian fucking Kinsler. Yeah. And you might trade that with no immediate. It's not like you're trading, you know, okay, we have to trade one of Pettini or Gore to get something we really want. Well, at least we have one or the other, right? Like, you don't have that. It's like you're trading one guy and there's no backup plan. You don't have two legit top prospects in one position where you have the surplus, right? Like, you don't have the nailer. Like, oh, we already have Hosmer. We already have Reyes. We already have Myers. We already have Renfro. We have already these big slugging corner outfielders slash first basemen. Like, nailer's depth. He's he's surplus. Hey, we, we have a bunch of Cal Quantos. Like, we have Logan Allen. He's probably a little bit better. We have Lucas. He's probably as good or better. We have Hudson Pots. Yeah, yeah. We can. Yeah, we already have infielders. Like we can move Pots because Ty France fits better as a backup, anyways, right? Like we have these pitchers. Like we can move a Lucchese or a Lauer or you know maybe even an Allen or whatever because we have other arms like them, like Quantrill. Like we can plug in and mix and match. Like we have Lamette. There's surplus there. You have no surplus at second base that's anywhere near the majors right now. Yeah. Other than Owen Miller, who. Personally, I know Conniff likes him. He's told us many a time that he likes him. I don't I don't think he's that gonna be that great. I mean maybe he's a solid everyday regular. But he's like Logan Forsyth. Hmm. I sense some racial undertones in no, there. Is it no, because no. he's white? No, no, is it is it because he's a pasty white guy? <laughs> no, it's not because the only pasty white guy I don't like is you. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete Alonso, who's in the finals right now against yes. uh, uh, Vlad Guerrero. Jr. I don't even hate Pete Alonso. I hate Mets fan. That's what I hate. <laughs> Mets fan is annoying. Yeah, well, a clown organization. Yeah. Anyways, we're gonna bring uh, John Conniff, and I almost said we're gonna bring Pete Alonso in. Good God! Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine if he came on the podcast? <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, and we'll just play uh, clips of Paddock sitting his ass down. Yeah. So uh, we'll bring in John Conniff again, guys. Make sure you subscribe on MadFriars.com. Make sure you follow them at MadFriars. Uh, John went all across the globe, dude. He went to Texas. We went underneath Baltimore. In <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's gone all over the place so we'll it'll be interesting to see uh, what he has to share with us and uh let's go ahead and bring him on the overlord of mad Friars. all right and we are back it's been a while but the overlord of mad Friars is back with us john conniff john how's it going hey doing great thanks for having me on guys 
Of it, course, sir. So I understand you've been uh, traveling around Texas eating real Mexican food for once. Yeah, I mean, I someone offended the hell out of me on Twitter where they said, no, I don't do Tex-Mex. I don't do Tex-Mex. There's no Tex-Mex in El Paso. And I even ventured into New Mexico for one day, which was pretty good, too. It was outstanding over there. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you're going all over the globe watching prospects, and that's why we appreciate the folks over at Mad Friars. And you guys need to make sure you subscribe to Mad Friars so you can follow what's going on in the minor leagues because you get that content nowhere else. Um, John, you went and uh, you're in El Paso and you're watching some of the guys down there. And I want to ask some guy that we're really excited about, mainly because the tools that he has, but also because kind of like the drawbacks of the major league side of the bullpen is Andres Munoz. So tell us a little bit about what you saw from Munoz down there i was lucky because i think last time i was on with you guys was in amarillo i saw munoz pitch there i saw him pitch in el paso when i saw him he was going pretty good you know he throws the ball 100 miles an hour which you've heard me and everybody else talk about he's a little bit more comfortable with his slider now they've been trying to get him to go um back-to-back innings i think when i in amarillo i saw him get his first ever hit and when I talked to that, he was still bragging about that, that he was looking for the fastball to take it to right and a couple of guys <laughs> like rolling their eyes, like close your eyes and swing. But uh, he's kind of run into a little bit of problems there. Uh, I think it was just on today they sent him down to Amarillo. I think it's just for three days just to get him some more work as as our friend David chimed in from France to call everybody an idiot real quick, which was great of him. And uh, so we'll see. He's, he's close, but I think they want to see is still a little more fastball command, but he has improved pretty much from last year. Yeah, because he cut down his walk rate quite a right. bit, didn't he? Yeah, he cut it down. I mean, also, and it's really hard for, I guess, hard for me to understand. You guys still play, so you might see that. But these guys are, are good enough. They know there's a 100-mile-per-hour fastball coming, and it's relatively straight. They can turn on it. So once he gets the slider going, he's just that much more effective because you can't fight like a 15 or 15 mile per hour dif- differential between those two pitches. Right. You know, one thing that I wanted to ask you about, and we had like a whole outline about what we we're going to ask about, but this just kind of hopped into my mind. So um, yesterday at the Futures All-Star Game, there's kind of, obviously, you know, they're going to showcase everyone. Everyone's going to get an inning. Maybe Patino was an inning and two thirds tops. But kind of the way that the whole three batter minimum thing is going, uh, Padres seemingly liking to put some of their prospects in the pen here and there, which is, is what I like to see. The way they're set right. up for that, like, do you see or do you want to see some of these big arms down the system kind of come up through the pen and earn their stripes that way? I don't know. You know, we've talked about that for a long time, like off there, and I was kind of against that. You were the one who was bringing that up more, and I've kind of come around more to that. Uh, point of view i think the biggest thing i was just that i didn't like was that kind of reminded me the way the padres used to do things was you know we'll have your whole career you'll be at third base and suddenly you get to major leagues hey you're gonna play left field (laughs) or you know or you know you've been a starter you're going up here i kind of like seeing guys get used to doing doing it as they come up so you know maybe uh with the two guys we're thinking about with morajon and Baez, it kind of been in that role a little bit in amarillo so that wouldn't be that big a thing but I think as we've talked about before is the biggest thing right now is there's there's a roster crunch on the 40 man so they got to clear some space before they can really do anything. 
yeah, I mean, I think we can all look at the 40 land and there's a few, you know, right. clear choices that you can probably get rid of <laughs> relatively easy. But um, you brought up Morahone and Baez and their usage. Baez in particular, Morahone has had starts of like three innings here and there. He's kind of in like an opener type role, which, you know, for reasons that have been touched on uh, plenty. But with Baez, he seems to be strictly a reliever. Like, is that just his thing now or are they trying something and he's going to be a starter long term? What's going on? with bias i think they still see him as a starter long term i don't have any really first-hand reporting on that because bias came up right after i got out of amarillo and i haven't talked to the to Ganey and all those guys it should be coming up hopefully in a couple weeks and we'll find out more i am positive they still see him as a starter i know he had some problems with his back and a little bit of his shoulder so they've probably just been still being kind of easy with easy with him you know, but when he's on, like when he was in Fort Wayne a couple of years ago, it's, I mean, that guy's amazing when you watch someone that tall throw that hard. I mean, because I think he's clocked at about 97 or 98, and he's about at least – oh, God, he was. He said he was like 6'4". I remember when Joe Galindo said, no, idiot, I'm 6'4". You're at least 6'6". Six, six, <laughs> um, Is that a direct quote? No, idiot? Yeah, he said Spanish. I can understand that. I said no, Pendejo. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's a yeah. He's gotten some size on him. He's someone to watch. I mean, Reggie Lawson, I talked about on here from Emerald. I like a lot. Uh, you're starting to see the guys come up. I mean, Cal Quantrill is a lot better than he was last year. Uh, he's yeah. looked good. Um, um, probably the guy everybody's kind of curious about. We can talk a little bit about him is um, Luis Arias. Yeah. Yes, actually, that's that's where we wanted to go. That's where I wanted to go, John, because you know how I feel about Arias. What's uh, what's the status going on with him? Because now there's a lot of Padres Twitter thinking that he's playing a lot of shortstop. He's just stuck down there, even though Kinsler isn't producing at all. Is he trade bait? What is it that they want him to work on? Is he personally frustrated? What have you heard on Arias? I think they're putting him at shortstop just because he's the best option there. And as long as he's in the middle of the field, they're happy with that. Um, you know, he's been hitting pretty well. He, I think Marcus and our player of the month point out that he's kind of slumped a, slightly uh, in June. He was down a little bit. The main thing about him was they were just trying to get him more consistent. When I talked to his manager, Evan Rodriguez, he did confirm something that it just that annoys me to no end is that. It's not how high his leg kick it is, but it's more the direction that it goes in. Now, so we can stop saying sources. Okay, this is from Luis Arias. This is from Philip Wellman when he was his manager at San Antonio. It's from Rod Barajas. Now, this is from his third manager, okay, Edwin Rodriguez. It's directional. That's what they claim it is. Now, it can sometimes get slightly higher, but the bigger problem was he was cutting himself off the plate and the ball was coming inside on him. So they like it's there. There, I think they're just trying to get more consistent at bats. But one thing that has changed, and it's always kind of interesting about minor league baseball. Like one of the first times I came on with you guys, it was after I was in San Antonio, and I remember uh, it was Danny who was asking if Arias could play shortstop, and I said, well, according to Wellman and some of the other guys, they saw him as a guy who could kind of fill in there as emergency wise. But they didn't see him as an everyday guy. And even uh, Mike Sager, the play-by-play guy, said. He's not bad there, but his best position is raised second base. Now, Edwin was quoted as saying he thinks Arias is – now he can play shortstop. He thinks he's the best defensive shortstop in the PCL. Now, Edwin's, I don't think Edwin's prone to hyperbole that much, but he looked really good there. And I think as 
I think as we were kind of chatting off the air, if he is trade bait, I mean, a guy that's a triple-A shortstop who has the offensive profile as Luis has, that can probably get you something. You're killing me, John. You're absolutely killing me. He can't get anything. He can't get anything. He's our new second baseman, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Um, you He's mentioned his second baseman. Kick. If they they got to get rid of one guy, they either got to get rid of Kenzer or they got to get rid of Garcia. Now I'm I'm no Danny. I'm with you because put it this way: if you bring Urias up, just defensively, I mean, he would make that infield so tight. Now the whole question is, as we've talked before, I guess off there is, <clears throat> will do you think he will hit? And if he doesn't hit, how's that going to affect the team? Which which I think. And I could be wrong. It seems like they're trying to go for a wild card spot this this year. Yeah, that's a fair point. But mm-hmm. I would rather them run with it with Arias than Kinsler. Because if he doesn't hit, you have depth options, right? With mm-hmm. Miller and Edwards and uh, Abrams. And we'll get into the draft a little bit. Okay. One more thing on Arias. You mentioned the leg kick. And it's not height. It's direction. So do they feel like when he leg kicks, he's striding towards like second base and cutting off the inside half of the plate instead of maybe striding towards the pitcher? Yeah, they want to get striding more towards the pitcher, not towards second base or, or even first because, you know, he likes the ball on the outer half of the plate. And he's been working on that. Now, height-wise, yeah, I'm sure there's sometimes it's a little bit of height that can kind of get into it, but it's more directional. They, they think they've calmed him down. It's much more consistent. You know, I mean – but this is kind of difficult because I think, you know, when I was in San Antonio, I would see him literally change that thing within an at-bat. I mean, one time it would kind of let the thing hang up in the air, and then the other time it would, um, you know, go quick. It just depended on who the pitcher was. So it was kind of really interesting, and I, I talked to his hitting coach about that, and he pointed out, he goes, well, you know, he is hitting. <laughs> I go, <"Yeah." laughs> I kind of just stopped. Yeah, well, it's like his numbers, he he cooled down the last handful of games. And you mentioned that uh, Marcus was writing about that. But it's just like, I'm sitting there wondering, I'm like, at what point? Because like, he has to be, and this is, you know, I'm just speculating here in the way that I would feel if I was in his situation. It's like, yeah, you get sent down the PCL and you, at the same time, you have to hit what's in front of you. You have to play the competition that's in front of you. You have to play it in the spot in which you're being set to play. So it's just like, I'm feeling like some frustration is definitely setting in. And he's like, hey, what the hell else do I have to do, man? Like, I'm I'm crushing the ball. You guys want me to hit the ball? I'm crushing the ball. Like, at what point? And then, like, I feel like he's probably chasing at this point. I, I haven't looked up the numbers, but I'm assuming he's pressing balls out of the zone, uh, swinging at pitches so that he doesn't good. normally swing at just to try to make something happen. So it's just kind of – it's weird to see where they're at right now with him. No, his numbers are still still really good. When I saw him down there, I mean, he did not look like he had an attitude or anything. He was working really hard, especially before the game. But um, I kind of I think it goes back to a lot of things in baseball. It's like whenever someone goes a small sample size, well, how long did he have to stay down there to do what they wanted, and how long did he have to do it till they were happy seeing it? So um, I don't know. I think when you look at the Padres roster on the big club, they'll – you know, I don't think any of us are these guys where, God, you got to get rid of Myers or the whole world will come to an end. But there's a couple guys, you know, probably Myers is one and Kinsler that the team might be better if both those guys were just off, regardless of who he got on. Yeah. 
Well, well yeah, that, that makes sense. sense I guess. I guess. <laughs> Poor white case. Yeah, I just I want to see him up, dude. And it's driving me nuts. But at the same time, it's like to what you said about, um, you know, what if he comes up, and he doesn't hit, and we're contending. It's like it's kind of it's great but it's kind of it's kind of sucks at the same time because it's like oh hey what if a rookie doesn't come up and hit the ground running then we're screwed like it this is the world we're living in now where we like fully expect we need a rookie to come up and just smash the ball off the bat like there's no there's no grace period anymore it seems well i thought there were two great quotes in the offseason and one was by uh dennis lynn another was by aj preller and lynn made a comment that you know, he can see 2020 is a year they're going to really try to compete and win. But they won, what, 67 games last year? He right, said there right. has to be something kind of in the middle where, you know, <laughs> you kind of are progressing towards that, which is good. Another thing I think what Preller said in the offseason when they signed Machado was that the Padres did this the right way. You know, they built up a farm system. They got people around him, around Manny Machado, to bring him up. It wasn't just like the team's bad, like the team would be the Baltimore Royals and, hey, we're going to sign Manny Machado so everyone can feel good for about a week in the offseason then we're going to suck. So they had things up there with him. And I think that's the key is I think they don't necessarily have to make the, the playoffs this year, but they have to be a team that's going forward. So that's why one reason I don't think they're going to move Yates. I think they see themselves as they want to compete. They want their players to get used to doing that. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the Orioles, and that makes me think of Baltimore. And you went to Baltimore for mm -hmm. Manny's return. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What was the scene like? Who did you talk to while you were over there? What uh, what went down in Baltimore for you? Oh, well, I immediately texted Dave Pillay and said, you're right. He's just trash. Everyone hates Manny Machado, obviously, <laughs> for the video that I should. <laughs> no. I mean, Machado was so popular <laughs> that they had, you know, he was greeting everybody that was coming in. He knew a bunch of the writers there. He was joking around with them. He got a prolonged standing ovation. Um, yeah, and another thing, too, when you get next to man, he's a big dude, and so is Tatis. I mean, that is a, just a giant, you know, God, that's a giant left-sided infield when you look at those guys moving. And it's true, though. When you see Tatis, and I've seen him a bunch of times, is you always just forget just how fast he is, how much he can move, too. And yeah. the home run Manny hit in Baltimore was amazing. That thing is probably still carrying somewhere towards Pennsylvania. He just crushed that thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun to watch. Now, you, you mentioned Tatis. Mm -hmm. June 1st, does that date stick out to you at all? Does it ring any bells? Not really. Why? So that's the date that we made our bet as far mm -hmm. as when Tatis was going to get called oh. up. So Danny and I said it was going to be after June 1st because we thought there was no chance in hell. And you guys over Mad Friars, you and David J, I'll admit that David J was right, although ah. he has terrible taste in catchers. Um, we thought it, Tatis would be up after June 1st, and you guys said before. So we owe you guys an in and out bet when you come out. You're coming out at the end of the month? I'm going to try to come out at the end of the month or the first part of August. I will definitely be out there in uh, Lake Elsinore because I still got to take a trip out to uh, – to Tri Cities and catch that. Hopefully, in Tri Cities, I will get there when C.J. Abrams is there because I'd like, I'd really like to see him in person. And uh, we're still working out the details. We might be able to, if we can get Kevin, can get some time off. We might send Kevin and Ben out to uh, Arizona. They like, got a wonderful La Quinta and Peoria in August. I think they'll really enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, that'd single bet only. That'd be fantastic. You know, you're mentioning hoping to see Abrams in person when you go to Elsinore. 
there's no chance you're going to see Mackenzie Gore in person, right? Like, they have to move him up at this point, right? Yeah, because I think so. I mean, the biggest thing is they move Gabe Mosser up, who's Leisure Friars' favorite in Fort Wayne. And, you know, Leisure, if you're listening, you can pick up the pace a little bit more. I mean, you got rice pudding at home coming up. Okay. So they move Mosser up. I'm pretty sure that Mackenzie will be there. I think the big reason you want Mackenzie Gore up there, you want him to give him some starts in double A because I think he has a good chance to compete for a roster rotation spot in San Diego next year. Because you guys, you know, this is kind of fun. Now, you guys have seen him in person, you know, in spring. You've seen how dominant he is. I've seen him. You know, it's not hype. He can, he is, he's close to about the equivalent of Tatis, I would say. I mean, he's really good. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Seeing, I mean, I'm, just watching him live. I think you have to watch him live. TV doesn't do it. Right. Video on Twitter doesn't do it. I think if you watch him live. It's a whole experience. Yeah, it, it is. It's the experience. Hey, they should market that. But I, I can see as pumped as we were for Paddock, as soon as Gore hits, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing. He's, and he's going to be better than Paddock, as good as Paddock is. The thing about Gore that I always found really fascinating is Gore's about 6'3 I mean, he might be even pushing 6'4". But when you talk to him about the, you know, the unusual leg kick and all that, he said he had to do that because he was a small kid in high school. He had a late growth spurt. So he was not always the just giant kid in Little League who would blow things away. That's where he got a really good changeup and a slider. And then suddenly he grew like about five inches in a year. And then that's where suddenly he's throwing like 95, 96, and like, wow, now we got something here. But um, I think McKenzie really wants to hit too. <laughs> yeah, so you think he wants to hit like bat ninth? <laughs> no, or I hit, mean, like just be a great prospect and you know develop into a major leaguer. Which which he, one? He, no, McKenzie actually liked hitting a lot because according to Jim Callis, he was going to go to East Carolina as a pitcher and a center fielder. And Callis claims, who I mean, Callis might love McKenzie more than Danny loves Arias. Is McKenzie would have been a third round pick as a center fielder uh, just if he didn't want to pitch. I mean, he he's that good now. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete if you watch him play too. That's interesting. Now I want to watch him take BP. But uh, we're going to move towards the draft, John, uh, real okay. quick before we wrap up with you, let you get the bet out there. Yes. A um, couple things. We've, we've talked about Abrams. I want to bring up uh, Hudson Head. There's a lot made about what the Padres paid him. I think they shattered the record for Green his up. draft slot. Yeah. Um, not a lot out there. What I've read on fan graphs and other places, kind of questioning the Padres going that much for that kind of player. What have you heard on head, both from your own sources and internally, from what the team thinks about him and you know paying him as much money as they did to get him to sign? Well, one thing about Preller, Preller has really increased the amount of scouts they have. So they have a lot of area scouts going around. And this is some guy that didn't go to a lot of the high school showcases. I think that guys like Fangraphs and Baseball America go to, so he was a little bit under the radar. I, think, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he hit like 612 in Texas 5A baseball he was a uh, you know starting quarterback on the football team who's ambidextrous could throw with either with his right or left hand really good athlete and it's a guy the Padres really liked a lot and one thing about the baseball draft is it is complex but it's not as as complex as people make it seem to out seem to be and if you're not like a bunch of geeks like we are with a spreadsheet punching in the numbers arguing over how much money <laughs> the Padres have to spend it 
about two thirds of the money is in two guys. It's in CJ Abrams and, and Hudson head. So keep track of those guys. We'll do it for you. Um, Hudson heads an outfielder, center fielder got to a really good start in AZL. Uh, you know, Abrams been on fire out there. You know, he has tremendous speed. But he also has really good, um, bat to ball skills, which Mark Connor thought was really underrated part about his game. And so far he's been true. What's the future hold for a guy like Abrams? Because everyone, the thought is that he's going to go out to center field. Right. But, I mean, what's what's the future hold for him, in your opinion? Yeah, it's hard to tell. I think for the, the time being, they're going to keep him at shortstop and keep him on the dirt until they have to move him out to to the outfield. But, you know, it's like four years in the future, probably three or four before he'd be up in the major league. So you don't really worry about that right now. You worry about just trying to get him into the best player that he can be. But, you know, he's a left-handed guy. He just has amazing speed. And both him and Xavier Edwards, I think, will be a lot of fun to watch coming up in the future. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, hey, we look forward to everything coming uh, coming up with you guys over at Mad Friars, and uh, we hope to see you l- l- late this month, early next month, uh, whatever it is. We're looking forward to seeing you. We appreciate you having on. Hey, thanks for having me on, and thanks for being the pro hat models for Mad Friars. You always get a lot of likes on that, man. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, John, and take care. You're uh, triple, triple. We'll be waiting for you when you get here. Oh, Let man. Let us wrap, though. That weight back on me, man. You can't do that. No, no, no. We're <laughs> going to go low-carb, protein style. No bun. All right. Thanks, guys. All take right. Take care, John. See you at the KFC buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Later, John. Later. All right, and once again, great insight from the overlord himself, John Connett from Mad Friars. I forgot about that in and out bet. <laughs> yeah, I didn't where, forget about it. Where did you have that written down at? Oh, it's in my bookmarks. Oh. <laughs> you know, I, I went through my bookmarks the other day, and I was like, oh, let me see what's all in here. And then I noticed that, and I said, ah, shit. Because I remember John said he was coming out at the end of this month or uh, early next month. So, yeah, man, we're going to have to pay off that uh, pay off that bet with in and out. So. We Not a bad bet to lose. Not a bad I've bet lost to worse lose. bets. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's the thing, man. Elsinore, it's it's coming up to the point where we're probably going to lose Gore soon in Elsinore. So you got to get up there. You got to watch Patino. You got to watch these other guys that are up there. And you have, if you haven't, get up there, dude. Like, Patino, last night watching him in that Futures game, like, I want to go see his next start. Like, dude, I, I want to yeah, see when he's starting. You texted me when he came there. out. Like, Hey, Ortiz, Elsinore for Patino. Yeah. Yes, sir. A-S-A-P. So, uh, hey, guys, we uh, apologize. We greatly apologize from the depths of our souls for not doing a podcast last week. Except <laughs> that shit-stained leisure fryer yeah. and his discounted Clarence Steakhouse meat. Yeah, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's any secret or not, but neither one of us get paid for doing this podcast. Yes. Matter of fact, money comes out of my own pocket to do this podcast. <laughs> so if I want to skip a week, then guess what? I'm going to skip a fucking week. That's right. So until uh, DJ Wayne hooks me up with... Uh, some uh, Lexus Club seats. I'm going to do the podcast at my leisure. Thank you very much. So, uh, for anyways, um, another great show, another great edition of the 5.5 podcast. We kind of did a little quasi wrap of the first half. Uh, we heard from John Conniff from Mad Friars, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. <laughs>